Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. We're talking about the plus factor. I've identified the definition of the plus factor as that which has been a mark set over your life that is an added extra. A plus factor is a benefit, an overshadowing of every area of your life. Is there a plus factor in knowing God? Yes, there is. Is there a plus factor in following the ways of the Lord? Absolutely. Is there a plus factor in being a person of prayer, devotions, and the Word of God and following the principles of the Word? Absolutely. There's an added benefit, not just the eternal, but also the temporal, the now, the practical, an added benefit in living your life, both spiritually and practically. We've talked about four areas of plus out of Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 23. We talked about being positioned for plus, that is your roots go into Christ, poised for plus, being seated in heavenly places, taking in all the supernatural resources God has for your life, Relax, and it's not by works, not by everything you do. It's by you knowing Jesus, relaxing in Jesus, drawing virtue from Jesus. We talked about what it means to be predestined, selected, marked out, chosen, special. No one else thinks you're special, God does. No one else treats you special, God will. If you think you're an accident, you're not. If you think you've lost your destiny, you haven't. If you think you don't have a mark to hit, that's wrong. God has checked your name. He's put a mark over your life. You are predetermined, predestined. You have foreordained to fulfill a God thing that God has chosen for your life. You are to be excited about that. You are to pray about that. You are to ask God about that. You are to actually lift up your voice of prayer and say, Lord, I want to understand my destiny. I have been selected for what? I have been predetermined, foreordained to fulfill the path that you have for my feet. What might that be? Your heart should be toward that all the time. Not just what man can say to you or anyone else in your life. What is God saying to your heart? Because deep down in your heart, there's a dream. And that dream has been placed there by the Holy Spirit. And that dream is to be fulfilled. Now, there's a lot of stuff that can get on top of that dream and kill it. That's why the resurrected life of Christ comes into us and resurrects our dreams and helps us see beyond all of our brokenness and our problems and all the obstacles and the things that happen that kill the dream. Your dream can live again. You're predetermined and elected to have a dream. We talked about being sealed for plus. Not only preordained, but actually been sealed. Your container is sealed. What God has sealed, the devil cannot steal. What is sealed in you is safe. What is happening in you is safe. God will fulfill it. God will do it. God will not let it come to naught. God will not let the enemy steal from you any of those values that God has put inside of you. God will not allow the enemy to steal the blessings of the Lord, the life of God, the salvation of God. None of those things can be stolen from you because you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now we're going to move to prayer for plus. Prayer for plus. Here's what I define it to be. Ephesians 1, verse 15 through 23, if you're following. 
Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, we'll get there eventually. Prayer for plus, we believe and agree with the Scriptures. We believe and agree with the Scriptures. Will you say that out loud with me? We, one more time, a little louder, we agree, keep reading now, that we have enormous possibilities open to us through, what? Through, one more time. So enormous possibilities. Do you believe that? Do you actually, in your spirit, leap up and say, what am I thinking? Why, of course, I have enormous possibilities in God. Why am I thinking so small? Why am I so limited? Why am I so discouraged? What is going through my spirit and mind? Why don't I understand this? And so you shall. Through prayer. Keep reading. So we and and Mr. Hurst, the great newspaper owner, late, great, he's not alive right now. In his lifetime, he had massive wealth. He also had a wholesome, not a bad addiction, but an addiction to collecting art. But he always wanted to collect something no one else had or something that was really uh, unattainable by most people even trying to find it. So one day, he learned about a particular piece of art that no one was registered having that he had heard of. He grabbed one of his guys, sent him on a world search for seven months, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars searching for this piece of treasure. Finally, the guy came back. He told Mr. Hertz, I found it. He says, you found my treasure? He says, I found it. He says, you are the best worker. I'm going to give you a reward. He says, well, before you do that, let me tell you where I found it. He says, I can't wait to hear where did you find it. He says, I found it in your warehouse. He said, you already have that five years ago. And it's stored back in your warehouse in the middle of nowhere. And I finally tracked it down. You already own it. And I've wasted all this time. So it is so much like people in Christ. That you have this wealth of resource. You have vast amount of possibilities. You have all these things that God has already given you. But you keep looking all over, and the Holy Spirit says, Hey, shh, hey, what? It's already in your warehouse. Oh, I was looking for hope. It's already in there. I was looking for wholeness. It's already in the warehouse. I was looking for answered prayer. It's already there. I was looking for wisdom. It's already there. Everything you need to be profitable in the kingdom of God, all that God wants to put into your hands is already in your warehouse. Can someone say amen? You already have it. But we live like beggars. We live like we have a small God. 
We live like we don't have any of those things. We act like we've never received any of these things. So the apostle is reminding us that there's a plus that you get through prayer. Because it's through prayer that you take those things and bring them home through prayer. Powerful praying is done by you. Two scriptures, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, John 15, verse 7. Prayer can only be done by you. The kingdom of God does not operate on proxy, doesn't operate on someone doing something for you on the vital parts of the kingdom of God. Nobody can get saved for you. You have to do that yourself. Nobody can get water baptized for you. You have to do that yourself. No one can get filled with the Spirit for you. It's you. No one can have Christ in their heart except for the heart that asks Christ in the heart. It's a you. When it comes to personal prayer, enlarging your borders, renewing your mind, filling up the vastness of your soul, having a spirit of positive faith, positive confession, prayer proclamation, prayer affirmation, having something in you that really nails the kingdom of God with such an awesome spirit that no one else would even ever doubt that you didn't have a hold on the power of the kingdom of God because it's in you. Jesus says, but you. Everyone say it loud, but you. When you. Now just notice the repetition here. When you. Go into your room. But you, when you, and you pray. And of course, you have a room, don't you? That's what he's saying. Of course, you do have a place where you meet with God, right? Of course, you have a private inner chamber of your soul. that only you hold the key to, only you can go into. It's not a place that is an actual closet. It's a closet of the soul. It's not an inner chamber of a house. It's the inner chamber of a life. A place that you go where you have that inner intimacy with the Holy Ghost and the Word of Christ and the Word of Jesus in you. And you go there. You know exactly where it is. You can go there any time, in the middle of a football game, basketball game, in the middle of work, in some other activity, walking down the street, driving your car, wherever you are, there's a place that you move into that you would call your inner chamber. And within that inner chamber is presence and power and faith and knowledge and proclamation and declarations and affirmation and experience. History. In that place, it's like opening the door of your soul and you walk into a library. And in this library, there's all the experiences of all the people of God through the years with their prayer life and the answers to their prayer and the miracles of God and the awesome power of God and how God has moved in the nations of the world and people's lives and how God has healed the sick and raised the dead and the lame walk and the blind see and people are saved and things happen and the kingdom of God is not limited by anything I'm going through. It's a massive, powerful kingdom. And when you walk into that chamber, 
your spirit begins to drink in a spirit of prayer. You're not praying from a limited, lacking, shriveled up, unbelieving, doubting, weakened spirit. You're now in the inner chamber of your soul and you're taken from all the history and all the source and you begin to move into a spirit of prayer. Your soul is transformed. You can travel. You can go to Japan. You can go to Africa. You can go downtown. You can, in your spirit, there's no limits. You can believe for your child. You can believe for your spouse. You can believe for your job. You can pray for people around the world. You can do anything you want because you've entered the chamber that has no time on it, no distance on it. You can pray at 2 in the morning. It's just like noon. You can pray at 5 in the morning, and it's like you never ever had such a bright moment as 5 in the morning. It's 5 in the morning for your flesh, but in the inner chamber, there's no clock. There's no time, no distance, there's no tiredness, there's no unbelief, no limit. When you step into that, as Jesus says, but you, when you, when you pray, you go to that inner place. You do have one, right? The disciples heard Jesus praying. They listened to this guy for a few months, and they finally got together and said, Hey, guys, none of us pray like him. Have, have you listened to him? Yeah, geez, do we have. We, wow, he's not like the Pharisees at all. He doesn't, doesn't do this methodical, empty. There's something about when he prays. He, sometimes he weeps, and it says in the book of Hebrews, it affirms this, that with with tears and, and a mighty voice and with a gushing forth. And when Jesus prayed, it must have been the most powerful, awesome inner chamber prayer because there's no limitation between him and the Father. And that's why he would spend so much time there because in his flesh and his spirit, that virtue would just be sucked up into him to be the strong man of God that he was to go through that day. And it says in his prayer that he would only do what the Father showed him to do. Where did he get that? His prayer time. He would enter into that timeless. And the Father would say, now listen today. On your way to Galilee, there will be a woman that will be crawling on the dirt trying to touch. Just be aware of it. I need you to pay attention to that person. And also there's going to be a blind beggar that's going to start shouting at you. And he's going to use words that you will understand, son of David. And when you hear that, I want you to stop and I want you to go because there's a healing already made in heaven for that man. I want you to hear this. Jesus says he didn't do anything except the Father showed him. First, John 15, verse 7, he says, But if you abide, no one else can do this. And my words abide in you. Ask whatever you, you have in your heart to ask. Not what I want. What do you want? When God came to Solomon, 
God did not say to Solomon, what do you think everybody wants you to do, Solomon? What do you think would please everybody? Solomon, what does your father David want you to ask for? God come to Solomon and recognized in that man his own leadership. And he said to the king, I said, Solomon, ask whatever you want me to do for you. The whole universe came down to his own heart. Oh, what about all my, no. What about my great dad, no. Well, what about the prophet who said, no, I want to know what's in your heart. Solomon says, well, I can tell you exactly what's in my heart. Bring it out. Tell me. Well, I, I, I have a little bit of a concern. What is it? I just don't know if I can lead the people out and lead them back in. We're not just talking about out of the city and back in. He's talking about out into a new arena of activity for a whole nation and then bring them back to their roots and back into the vision and back into the roots and back into the vision. You're talking about a very difficult task for a leader. God says, what's the problem? I just, I don't know. I, if I had one thing I could ask, I just want you to give me wisdom to know what to do. God says, you got it. Anything else? No, I, that, that too. God says, you know, because you ask not for yourself, that is, give me riches, give me the heads of all my enemies and kill all the people that are in division on my team and make sure these other kings have a real fear of me. He didn't do any of They just, oh, God, give me wisdom to be a great shepherd and a great king that I will not violate the people. God says, you got it. And also, I will add to that, riches and honor and long life because you ask for the right thing. What do you want? Four times in the Bible, God comes to a person and says, whatever you ask, I'll give it to you. What do you want? He came to you right now. What would you ask? What's in you? What's in that inner part? Well, for sure, money comes and money goes. Be careful to ask just for money. For sure, honor and reputation and promotion goes and comes. It doesn't make life. Be careful. For sure, anything in the temporal realm will be a short-lived prayer. They have to go beyond that little bit of time. What would it be? The Apostle Paul gives us an apostolic prayer. Philippians, Ephesians 1. Go to Ephesians 1. Just hold your Bible open. Look at verse 15, Ephesians 1. 
When we talk about apostolic prayers, we're talking about prayers given by the apostles, especially the apostle Paul. And this is why I'm referring to him in light of what I just said to you about you praying and how you pray in your chamber, what's in your heart, where you go, what should you be asking for, what's the model prayer? Well, we know the model prayer that Jesus gave the disciples when they finally got to him and said, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray like you pray? Because you pray so awesome. She says, I'll teach you. It should be called the disciples' prayer, not the Lord's prayer. Because it wasn't his prayer. It was him teaching them to pray. It's actually the disciples' prayer, is Matthew 6. He says, now, when you pray, this is how you pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you can take every one of those. And I prayed the Lord's Prayer for the last 40 years, probably. The Lord's Prayer has in it categorically every dimension of living, every dimension of prayer you ever want to go into. So the Lord's Prayer is awesome. So we have that. And you should learn it and pray it. There's also apostolic prayers. Paul's apostolic prayers are very touching. There are also prayers that are profound. They're prayers that are recorded, and because they're recorded, I know that they're loving, eloquent, profound, awesome, but they're also a guide for me to get some idea. Would you not I don't know how you think about stuff like this, but this is how I would think. Would you not want just to have, if I could just have three minutes, three minutes, I'd be happy, just to hear Jesus pray. I would love that. If I could just put on or download it to my iPod and just put on the earphones, and actually listen to his voice and his tones and his ups and his downs and the gushing forth and the intensity, the passion. If I could just listen to Jesus pray one time, I think it would really affect me. I also think about this. Paul, the genius of his day, there's nobody more intelligent of his day. He was cut above everybody. Wrote 14 epistles went to the third heaven. He was a man who understood the supernatural realm like no one else in the scriptures but Jesus. I would love to have just three minutes. Say, Paul, when you pray, what do you pray? What are the targets of your prayer? What What's the spirit of your prayer? What's the burden of your prayer? Where do you go in your prayer life? Because you've done so much for the kingdom of God. Ephesians 1, verse 15. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for Christians everywhere, I have never stopped praying for you. I pray for you constantly. Here's one of the most important things you can hear me say in this message right here. I pray for you constantly asking God. Okay, here comes an apostolic prayer that every believer should learn. Because here's the prayer of Paul. He says, okay, this is what I ask God for you. 
When I make mention of your name in my prayer time, this is what I pray. It's called one of the 12 apostolic prayers of the Apostle Paul that you can actually take it apart and pray exactly what he prayed in his prayer time. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom, understanding, So that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light, the eyes of your understanding enlightened, so that you can understand, grasp, experience, know the wonderful future he has promised to those he's called. I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. I pray, verse 19, that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. Now he's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else in this world or the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ. You're seated with him. And he gave him this authority for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is filled by Christ who fills everything everywhere with his presence. Now that's a prayer. That prayer brings in the elements of my life that I should be dwelling on. God wants you to have a spirit of wisdom, spirit of revelation. He wants your eyes to be open to your future. He wants you to have a hope, an understanding of his calling. He wants you to have the riches of his inheritance and to understand it. He wants you to understand where you're seated, who has authority. No one can take from you what God has given you. And understand all principalities and all powers are nothing against the mighty power of Jesus that already rests in you. Can I hear an amen?